Hello and welcome to the Beyond Your Research Degree podcast by the University of Exeter Doctoral College. Hello and a warm welcome to another episode of Beyond Your Research Degree. I'm Kelly Priest, the Research Development Manager in the Doctoral College, and I'm continuing episodes on the theme of getting jobs and moving forward with your career during COVID-19 by talking to, actually in this episode, two of our doctoral graduates. So Dr Philippa Earle and Dr Heather Hind, both of whom did their PhDs in English, but are now working in professional services roles at the University of Exeter and in roles that were created in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. So Heather and Philippa, are you happy to introduce yourselves? I'm Dr Heather Hind. I did my PhD in English literature, specifically Victorian literature and things that the Victorians made out of human hair. And I finished in, well, I handed in in March 2020, just before the first lockdown started and had my Viva last June. And since then, I've been working for the university as a digital learning developer for the College of Medicine and Health. Um, so I'm Dr. Philippa Earle. Um, I finished my PhD at Exeter in the summer of 2018, which seems a long time ago now. Um, and my thesis was on John Milton. And um, I'm really interested in his material philosophy, um, which is commonly called monism. And so I've kind of been <laughs> floating around since then doing various things. Um, I'd really like to get into academia. I really enjoy teaching. Um, I have done some casual teaching since then, two different roles at, at different universities. Um, and I then came into doing this digital learning development role um, kind of last September. So I was a kind of last minute recruit um, and kind of slotted in working with Heather. That's fabulous. Thank you. So probably it's useful just to start with to kind of unpick it, unpack a little bit what a digital learning developer is and and I think particularly as well how these roles have evolved because of um, the situation with the current pandemic. Um, So when they were first advertised um, I think I applied last June I think I started my application the week before my Viva and then I had the interview the week after my Viva. Um, Wow yeah (laughs) yeah uh, it was the timing was honestly really you know, fortuitous for me <laughs> as it worked out. But um, they were advertised as roles to support the shift to online teaching during the pandemic. Um, trying to think what the job description said. It said, you know, supporting teaching staff, troubleshooting online issues, um, helping to develop the virtual learning environment, Ellie at Exeter. Um, but it was it was relatively vague. I don't know if Philippa would agree, but it, it was, you know, relatively, you know, job speak sort of these are all of the possible things that you might be asked to do vague. But as the role has gone on and we've been able to shape it to a certain extent to what sort of support our college needs. Um, it's been a lot more about kind of project management, checking over modules and quality assuring them for the online side of things to make sure that the students are properly supported, have all the information they need, online um, seminars and lectures and things are running smoothly, um, and that we're continually trying to make things better, innovate, use new digital tools. Yeah, I think I hadn't kind of anticipated quite how much I would learn, I suppose, because I was sort of thinking, well, 
we were both kind of chucked into the um, online teaching through um, the kind of teaching roles we were doing at the time last March. Um, and I kind of needed something more stable. Um, and um, these were full time roles, even though they're fixed term. Um, and yeah, I think Heather and I kind of came at this from a, a very similar angle, really. We're both English PhD graduates. Um, both interested in, in going into kind of academia and um, yeah I suppose we kind of thought of this as a, a way of being sort of resourceful with the kind of options that are out there but also having a bit more kind of job security so um, you know I came to this role thinking well I can bring a little bit of my experience that I've had just from having to sort of fumble your way through and shove everything online last minute um, but actually have just learned so much and um, yeah, as Heather was saying about kind of quality assurance, different digital tools and the options. And so actually, I'm, I'm really pleased that I've managed to kind of get loads out of this, um, not just for kind of improving the quality of the teaching in the college, but also kind of my own understanding of uh, pedagogy and, you know, the way that you can kind of support your own teaching with digital tools and what works. It's just been brilliant, really. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to hear you talk about it that way. And also the, you know, the the fact that it's fitting into a kind of an aim for an academic career path. Um, because it's it's giving you, obviously, it's giving you some job stability in the interim, but also, you know, a real a range of really specialist skills that as a result of the pandemic are going to be, you know, the way that education is going to change. Ine inevitably are going to be so highly valued moving forward um I think also yeah because there is just so much uncertainty these were advertised as fixed term roles um you know the university hasn't quite decided what direction they're going in yet whether they're going to be renewed um so I think we're both trying to keep an open mind and think well this is kind of plan a but um equally you know we're quite happy doing these roles and then they're very valuable so it's a good stepping stone really um and you know it's always good to have a backup plan isn't it <laughs> the market as it is so it's given yeah. us a really good insight into professional services and just the other side of, of things at, at the university the university structure working within kind of lots of different teams different um introduced to different kinds of management there um so yeah really good insight um and you know opening up kind of alternative possibilities you know if plan a doesn't work out as well yeah i think that's that's a really really fantastic way of looking at it and kind of you know all of the various skills that you're going to be developing i wondered if you could talk a little bit about so you you both did your phds in english and now you're working um, in medicine and i wondered if you could talk a little bit about what that experience is like and what it's like working in a different college and supporting teaching learning in a discipline you know relatively far removed from your own and and what that's like and kind of what you're taking across almost from one subject to another um so i think we both applied for this role but put down our preference for working in humanities i guess i had i i'd envisioned it as you know being able to have a hand in the sort of courses that I would be able to teach or you know captioning the sort of lectures that I would one day give and so I really had it in my mind while I was applying that I really wanted this job um, in the College of Humanities and so when they um, 
offered it but for the College of Medicine and Health I was a little bit unsure of what that would involve and to what extent I would need some sort of knowledge base for um, supporting um, medicine courses but actually because we um, we support the postgraduate taught programs um, and the continuing professional development programs what we've really been able to carry across is our experience of being postgraduates well postgraduates I mean researchers now but you know people that have been through master's courses and know what it's like to go through that very intense year where you move into an even more um, independent sort of learning so there's definitely been that that we've been able to carry across um, we haven't needed too much subject specialist knowledge occasionally when we're captioning we will have to google some you know drug names or <laughs> some bones or something um, but it's really been about our knowledge of teaching and support learners that has really helped us to for example look at an LE module page and say oh actually this assessment brief is not very clear or it's missing some really key information about this or the pre-reading for this course is you know not in the most you know obvious clear place for people coming to it so so it's those sorts of universal things that I think we've been able to carry across yeah I think I would just add to that that um some of the parts that I've particularly enjoyed have been um, the opportunity to actually collaborate with academics as well. So um, we, we have the opportunity to have sort of one-to-one -one meetings with them to really discuss um, kind of what they ideally would like to do or, or the kinds of activities they've, they've usually done in the past and, and kind of help them come up with something that's really going to work in an online format. Um, so there's been a lot of trial and error, a few kind of um, failings along the way with, um, you know, synchronous sessions, um, what works best, um, you know, all sorts of things, trying to put people into breakout rooms, um, <laughs> pre-signing on Zoom and just kind of, you know, coming across different pitfalls. But we've actually managed to kind of develop our own kind of ways of working and solutions and kind of recommended methods. Um, which is really quite exciting and yeah I just I particularly enjoy kind of talking through um, what the academic wants to achieve and then being able to kind of draw on my knowledge that I've gained in this role of the digital tools how Ellie works um, the best kind of format for you know contact days or synchronous sessions um, and just really be sort of part of that and, and feel very much that our experience and knowledge is kind of valued and I think as Heather was saying, the fact that we do actually have some teaching experience ourselves, we can kind of, you know, get our minds into that that gear to really think about how it's going to work um, and what's what's really going to be best for the students learning as well. Um, and, and just to add to that, that, that we've actually been given a lot of responsibility in that sense, um, more than I was kind of expecting really in this role. Um, and uh, yeah, our, our, our kind of we've been sort of trusted to input um, our thoughts um, in terms of kind of evaluating the strategy in the college and really kind of working at, at high levels, talking with the program directors, um, the dean for education, um, project enhanced leadership team meetings. Um, so it's it's really great actually that we've been trusted um, and given the responsibility that we've had um, and that we've actually had the opportunity to kind of shape how we do things at a higher level as well 
um, as well as kind of working with individuals. That's something that I've really appreciated. Yeah, and I think there's a couple of things, really brilliant things to pick out of that. The first of which is, um, you know, a, there were a lot of these roles across the institution and some of them have, you know, gone to, so they're what uh, the University of Exeter are called graduate business partner roles. Is that right? Yes, yeah, GBPs. So some, some people in these roles will be having just come out of undergraduate or postgraduate taught degrees and so their experience will be um will be useful and certainly kind of you know people with the same level you know really good digital skills but also you know what you're talking about in terms of that student perspective but like you're saying what you bring that to that as a doctoral graduate is that extra dimension of understanding research but understanding teaching and pedagogy in a different way and I think you know quite often when we see things like GBPs or graduate schemes we assume that they're aimed at undergraduates and perhaps some of the language and the way in which they're written does kind of reinforce that but actually it doesn't mean they're not applicable to PGRs and that actually PGRs you know or doctoral graduates will potentially have the opportunity in those roles to to do more and to go further because because of how that much further along they are in their academic career. Um, the other thing that I wanted to pick up on is what I was really interested in what you were saying about kind of the management side and the strategy side and being involved in that. And I wondered if you could say something about kind of what a bit more about what you valued about learning, I guess, about the more administrative and managerial side of the university, which you don't get as much of an exposure to when you're doing a research degree yeah I so for me as I say it's it's great um to have the insight into kind of the structure of the institution obviously to meet these different people as well um, and to learn from them and their expertise um and it's yeah it's really kind of opened up so many opportunities that we we just hadn't anticipated um lots of professional development opportunities um and, and I, I think it's worth noting that that is something that, first of all, you just don't really have time for when you're doing a casual teaching post, because as anybody who has done that will know, even if you're only doing about four hours teaching a week, as an early career academic or researcher, you're coming into that institution from outside, you're basically going to have a lot of work dumped on you. And it, because you're kind of coming in and you probably don't have much notice when you start the role. Um, it's, for me, it was essentially a full-time job, even though I was only teaching about four hours a week each time, because if you're producing lectures, etc., it's just an enormous amount of work. And so you don't really have time to kind of engage in any professional opportunities, professional development opportunities that might be offered by the institution. Um, but with this role, it's something that has been very much integrated. So we've been able to kind of continually undertake um, different kinds of training for different um, digital tools. Um, we've also been able to attend the um, things like the ex-edu sessions where we're kind of sharing best practice across the university, finding out how people do things in different um, departments, different colleges, um, and seeing what we can kind of take from that to, to implement um, in, in the College of Medicine and Health and in PGT, where we're based. Um, so I think all of that does feed into um, our kind of connection and, and what we 
can pass on to uh, people in kind of more senior roles and our work with managers um, in the college. Um, we work very closely with um, our programme director for PGT, um, but also with the um, director of um, quality and teaching. Um, and so we that, that's another nice um, kind of aspect of the role is that people are interested in actually listening to our ideas and um, again, coming back to our kind of experience as teachers ourselves, um, having that side of things and also um, a kind of new understanding of kind of what digital tools are out there and the, and the processes and the functions of Ellie, um, it's sort of given us a, a, a good ability to, you know, see what might potentially work and what we can take, um, and what we can take forward um, and kind of, yeah, pass on to people like the, the director of, of teaching quality. Um, and really feel like you're actually making a difference in kind of shaping our path forward um, in terms of online learning. Um, so yeah, I, again, it's, it's lovely to be trusted to the extent that we are and kind of valued that much really by um, senior people in the university, I would say, um, and just to be kind of taken seriously and um, be, you know, have the opportunity to actually input ideas as well. And I think that applies not just to us as graduate as postgraduates I think it really does apply to the undergraduates too um, and you know we're working within multiple teams we're working with technology enhanced learning um, we're we're often asked for our views on certain things and how we work and uh, so yeah it's it's great really to be I suppose the role is so new we've we've actually had to establish the way that we work and Heather and I have had to kind of really specifically define what we do how we do things in PGT even down to kind of you know the spreadsheet that we use and and the day-to-day -day running of things um, but also I think DLDs as a whole seem to be um, you know very much included in actually trying to define and determine what happens next, which is quite nice. Yeah, no, I was thinking in terms of strategy, um, as you were saying, it's been really interesting to be part of larger strategy talks, but also on just the scale of us working with PGT programs for the College of Medicine and Health, being able to strategize what we want to do with the year that we have, or at least the year that we know we definitely have in this role. Um, and being able to think, okay, you know, what are we going to prioritize for term one? What do we want our modules to look like? What sort of digital tools do we want to um, uh, emphasize or demonstrate for the module leads? Then what do we want to improve on for term two? How are we going to go about that? So we've been able to do things like run um, college PGT specific student surveys, staff surveys, um, run some demonstration meetings to kind of um, go through the sorts of things that we think will improve courses. So just on that smaller scale strategy as well, it's been really interesting to kind of have a handle on that. Um, and as Philippa says, kind of shape the trajectory of what we're doing with the year to make things, you know, better during pandemic times with online teaching, but also think about what will improve things in the long term going forward to potential blended learning. Um, because I think improving these courses in their online offering is still going to help when eventually some of it is moved back into the classroom. Um, yeah, I, th I think all of that's really important. And, and one of the couple of things I want to pick up out of that is um, really interested to hear you talk about 
the unique opportunity that you've had within these roles for professional development and academic professional development that you wouldn't necessarily have the time or scope for if you were just doing a few hours teaching. So I wondered if we could talk a little bit more about about what those opportunities might be, but also kind of in tandem with that, what we've talked a lot about all the different experiences you're having, and I can absolutely see how all of these would be really, really beneficial in thinking about moving forward with an academic career. But I wondered if you could say a little bit about, from your perspective, about what you feel like you're going to really strongly take forward from the role the roles that you're doing now and the experiences you're having now um into applying for academic jobs so I know there are two things in there should we could probably do with professional development first sure um so we've both well we both came into this job with the associate fellow of the higher education academy um as our you know professional framework teaching qualification and one of the really tangible things to come out of this year is um, we're using our experience now in our um, supporting teaching and quality enhancing role um, to go for the fellow of the higher education academy um, we've got our applications together fingers crossed but you know if, if we can gain that that's a really good solid thing that we can use in our applications for other jobs going forward um, but just as employees um, of Exeter, we've had the opportunity to go to the full suite of professional development workshops, especially with everything being online. It's been really good to be able to say, OK, I'd like to go to a CVs workshop, to an interviews workshop, to all these different things, well-being workshops. Um, it's 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 part of our role, part of our job. You know, we have to go through um personal development reviews and that sort of thing. Um, so so it's, it's been really interesting having the opportunity to go to these sorts of workshops and professional development opportunities, but also to have them as part of the structure of what the university wants us to do with our, with our time and with our progression as well. Yeah, and I guess I would just add to that, that um, I think, well, first of all, the role itself and the kind of modules that we are assisting with um, because they are postgraduate um, courses but also because they are kind of um, some of them are focused very specifically on education and clinical education how you effectively teach um, clinical practices to uh, you know maybe GPs who are taking an extra um, professional development course or something like that so um, we have actually assisted in the development of and been present for the delivery of um, clinical education modules, um, modules on um, digital teaching, <laughs> which was really helpful. Um, and so all of that is just so useful. We can actually learn not just from the courses, but from the module leads that are delivering those courses. Um, we were invited to be actually we were invited to kind of um, be part of the teaching the digital teaching module and to sort of share our own experiences um, with digital tools and that kind of thing um, and it was just great to learn from the students as well with that to be honest I mean I wish that we'd actually recorded some of their fantastic presentations because they had the opportunity to kind of have a play around with some of the digital tools and experiment what you could use them for and there were just some fantastic um, things on, you know, improving the, the training for the COVID vaccine and all sorts of 
wonderful things that are going to make such a difference in the world and you know really <laughs> make me proud to be supporting um these these um healthcare um students um but with the fha um fhea more specifically um it's really helped me reflect on what i'm actually getting out of this role so um all of the stuff that we do with the quality assurance of modules the continual evaluation of our practice, how successful things have been, um, the regular meetings with um, the project enhanced leadership team in the college. Um, that's where we get to actually kind of talk to academics that are sort of delivering the teaching and we talk through any arising problems and we kind of troubleshoot and continually evaluate. And all of that has been just great to write about on, on my application, really, because it's it's really helping me reflect on my own practice as somebody who's supporting teaching um, and who's interested in kind of teaching myself. Um, so we, we kind of <laughs> we've kind of unintentionally en ended up sort of hitting, you know, most of the criteria just just through kind of what we're doing on a daily basis. Um, and so it's been great to actually have that to really take the time to reflect on exactly what we're getting out of the role um so in terms of professional development i'd say it's it's absolutely exceeded my expectations really and um as heather says if we can get this qualification at the end of it then you know it's been a, a really fantastic stepping stone and um i think that a lot of roles that i've seen advertised have actually wanted um somebody who knows um about digital technology or is interested in using digital technology in their teaching because I, I mean I think this is going to be kind of part of the future it's going to be here to stay really in in whatever form it eventually takes so um yeah it's it's been a really great opportunity um even though we've been working in a, a very different field in medicine and health and we're both from English um there has been a lot of kind of transferable skills that we can bring to this role that's really brilliant. And I think pulling out some of those things like the FHEA, which is really going to set you apart in applying for those academic roles, because it's it's rare that PGRs, um, when they're doing their research degrees, are going to have the opportunity to engage in that in that level of teaching practice and the opportunity for that level of reflection as well that's needed to achieve that status. Um, so... I wondered if you could say a little bit more about how how this kind of fits in 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 the longer kind of career goal to work in academia and and what specifically things like the FHEA that you you think that you want to take forward and that you feel are really going to help you with those um, academic job applications. Um, I think for me, it's it's at least um, understanding the real significance of evaluation and and evaluating processes. And this is something that the university has had to do on a huge scale, um, shifting, you know, to so much online um, and and basically, you know, transforming digitally. Um, so I think the fact that we've kind of been forced into this situation where we're constantly having the discussions, is this working? Is this effective? What can we do better? Um, for me, I think that is something I would actually like to take forward, you know, whatever happens. Um, I think even if we are, you know, doing a lot more face-to-face -face teaching eventually or supporting um, much more kind of blended approaches, I just think it's, it's something that perhaps wasn't um, emphasized enough before was this sort of continual evaluation of 
processes, even if you've been doing it for years, you, you know, it's that opportunity to actually share best practice um, and innovate really. And, and just, I think the value of that sort of collaborative approach to teaching is maybe something that we've not fully appreciated before and that the, pan the pandemic has kind of pushed us into confronting really. Um, and I personally feel that that's something we could really take forward and I would like to um, adopt in my in my practice or wherever I end up, even if I'm if I'm here, um, if I end up here. I just think that's something that's so valuable. Um, and yeah, it's it's a focus on the process itself, the process of teaching. And and I think that includes our students, too. So, you know, that they are kind of active collaborators in this process. I think that that there's just so much to learn from the approach we've actually taken with Project Enhance um, and the benefits of that for, you know, the quality of learning as well um, and what the students can get out of it. Um, that's something I'm quite excited about that I'd like to do more with. Definitely, I completely agree. Um, in terms of for us applying for teaching posts in the future, we've now gained experience of the sides of teaching that we didn't, not that we didn't engage with before, but that weren't necessarily our top priority when, you know, we need to prep for our seminars, go and teach them, um, have a set number of hours to do everything. Having this kind of reflective role, um, thinking about all the kind of other things that go into preparing a really good module and a really good um, contact session has been really useful for that. But I guess the other thing for me is that I always knew there would be, you know, a bit of a gap between finishing my PhD and hopefully getting some sort of academic role. Um, and I did think, you know, I'll apply for a job in professional services or maybe I'll get some casual teaching contracts. Um, hopefully I'll be doing something uh, linked with the university while I'm kind of um, you know, working on a book proposal, working on more articles, gaining all those other sorts of research experience that I would need to get a postdoc or an academic post. And I guess this role has just given us a little bit of security and bought us a little bit of time to be doing those things and, and thinking about um, our research. I mean, not, not to say that it hasn't been difficult. I think, you know, both me and Philippa feel that it's really tiring to be sat at your laptop all day doing this sort of work and then to think, okay, I need to turn to that, um, to that article proposal that I'm working on. But that's the other side of this is that a lot of um, post PhDs will be in that position of, I want to carry on with my research, develop my research profile, but you know, I need some paid employment. And at least this role has felt that we've been developing the teaching side of things while we've been trying to continue to work on our research side of things as well. Yeah, so I just wanted to ask you a little bit about the application process. Um, so kind of what you had to do in terms of filling in any kind of application form and then 
what the interview process was like. So, yeah, can you say a little bit about what you had to do in terms of an application? Um, sure. So the application form wasn't overly elaborate. I've, I've filled in much longer involved application forms before. Um, but it asked for, I can't remember how long it was, but a relatively lengthy um, supporting statement. So the equivalent of, you know, writing a cover letter for a job um, that wanted you to engage with STAR. And I cannot remember what the acronym stands for, but it's, it's the idea that you... It's situation, task, action, reflection or resolution. Yes, yes. So, so it... It kind of wanted you to go through your experience, what sort of skills and things you're bringing to this job. But, you know, talk about, you know, in this situation, I was faced with this challenge. Here's what I did. And, you know, here was the result. And I think I don't think I've consciously used that in other job applications before this role. But that was actually quite useful for me to talk about previous jobs I'd done and then have to think of some some conflict or some issue that I would dealt with within that. So. So yeah, so we had this supporting statement to write. Um, and then we were invited for interview, which was a panel interview. I think there were four or five people on the call. Um, it was virtual, obviously, um, over at uh, Microsoft Teams. And I just remember it being very quick. I think because there were a number of these roles advertised and they had quite a few posts to fill, it did need to be quite speedy. Um, but the sorts of questions they asked were, um, oh, I think they were to do with digital teaching, like, you know, where do you see this going? Or what's an example of, of best practice in digital you know, online teaching? Um, but I did get the impression that they wanted the answers to be quite succinct. So I felt a little bit, a little bit rushed versus some other job interviews I've been in. Um, but I got the impression that really they they'd already appreciated what you were going to offer from your written application and they were really trying to work out where you would fit in. And so I think the reason they put me in Philippa on uh, PGT programs was no doubt because of our experience being postgraduates, but I think they were just trying to work that out at that stage and obviously check that we were, um, you know, fit for the role. And I'd just add that I really appreciated being, um, you know, picked by the College of Medicine and Health, um, even though this is not our specialism. Um, they saw something in us um, and it's really proved how transferable, how flexible um, English literature and humanities graduates can be, I think. Um, you know, we've been able to bring a creative approach to the problem solving, to, you know, the the kinds of education um, that we're facing in our programs. Um, so yeah, I think we've we've definitely had some real strengths to bring to the role. Um, I initially didn't hear anything when I applied. So Heather was in the first round of um, sort of employees. I didn't hear anything for a couple of months and I chased it up and I was told that I hadn't been shortlisted. So I just thought, oh, okay, you know, on to the next thing, that's that. Um, but then I had an email out of the blue um, a couple of months later when um, I think they were just they realized they needed to, to recruit some more DLDs. Um, so then I had a very last minute interview for, for the College of Medicine and Health as well. Um, and yeah, just just it's been great working there. And 
I think we've had an insight also into um, the extent to which medical professionals actually do value the humanities also and what they can learn from them. You know, I hadn't realised that medical students are even taught art history um, because it helps them with um, being able to kind of analyse the symptoms that a, a patient is presenting and kind of think of it holistically. Um, so I think it's really been beneficial for us to bring our sort of creative approach to things also with things like the strategy, um, problem solving, thinking about ways forward more broadly. Um, it's, it's been great that that has actually been valued and um, yeah, that we were both taken on by the College of Medicine and Health. That's really, really brilliant and really helpful. Thank you. Um, I wonder if to finish, you can just give sort of like, you've got any advice or kind of top tips to other PGRs who are, who are coming to the end of their research degree maybe they're not sure what they want to do or maybe they're you know are thinking about pursuing an academic career or something in higher education um what advice would you give them based on based on your experiences over sort of almost the past year um I think in terms of job searches I definitely had already thought about going into professional services just because I wanted to keep a link to a university and you know ideally Exeter um I just thought it would kind of keep me in the loop with academic things at least being in that environment so that's definitely something that I was already considering kind of post PhD but I think I've realized in this role with how LinkedIn it is with teaching and supporting learning is that it doesn't just have to be a monetary stopgap to kind of pay the bills while you're looking for you know that you know that first academic position but there is an awful lot that you can gain towards your academic career from working um, in other university roles um, I know the sorts of other things I was thinking of um, I worked in admissions before I did my PhD so that was something I was thinking of going back to I've seen lots of posts advertised supporting um, big research projects, which I think would be a really useful thing to get involved with if you had to, you know, think about the admin side of, of budgets and organizing events and all that sort of thing. Um, so I think there are lots of other roles outside of the university as well that can give you um, further skills and experience that still completely translate into the sorts of things that are valued for an academic career so it's just trying to adjust your mindset think of it not just as you know oh I, I have to spend this period of time doing something that's not my academic career but thinking about what sort of roles you could take on that do still um, kind of keep you on that path. Yeah I mean I think there's a lot of pressure on um, early career researchers because <sighs> postdocs are essentially time dependent so as you know you, you you're only eligible for a postdoc within like three years of finishing your PhD um, and so given how competitive they are you know it's there's a huge amount of pressure to try and publish to try and get the book to try and make yourself stand out um, and if you're not fortunate enough to kind of have somebody who can sort of financially support you while you're <laughs> writing your book or whatever or you know given the current situation with the pandemic I'm sure a lot of people have have got you know completely unexpected circumstances um you know I'm currently um supporting my mum um so you you know you you want to 
have some more kind of security. And so I think my advice would be, you have to be open-minded, um, not just flexible. Um, so I did, as I said, a couple of um, casual teaching roles, um, but given the current situation, I, was, I, I knew I needed something more sort of stable and secure. And I think it is just about having a look at what's out there and, and thinking about, you know, again, those transferable skills. What can I get from this? Um, is this gonna be a stepping stone um, and I, I think you're lucky if you can find something that is relevant to what you want to do. It's not easy. I mean, I've also worked in retail and throughout my, my teaching, I also worked weekends um, in a shop. Um, so it's really not easy to juggle those things. But I think the, the professional services side of things at university does offer, if, if you want to go into academia, um, you know, lots of really useful skills and opportunities, as we've talked about things like the professional development. So I think you just have to be open minded and maybe it isn't going to be, you know, the ideal path forward. Um, but, you know, you, you just have to try and be kind of resourceful, I suppose. Um, and it does open up other things and it gives you an insight into other areas. And, you know, <laughs> for me, as time goes on, because I've been in this situation for a couple of years now, you kind of think, okay, well, maybe previously um, I couldn't imagine really doing anything else because that means it isn't going to happen quite like that. Um, and, you know, maybe I'll find another way. Um, so I just really would say be open-minded and be resourceful in, in the roles that you take on. So even if it isn't going to be a teaching role, there are other roles out there that are still going to benefit you and make you more employable. Thank you so much to Heather and Philippa for taking um, the time out of what I know is an incredibly um, busy schedule in the roles that they're in to talk to me about their roles as digital learning developers at the University of Exeter. And I think there are a number of things to pull out of this conversation. You know, there's the important thing that we've been trying to focus on about starting your career and, and getting jobs during COVID but also thinking about that kind of route into an academic career, which might not be traditional, <laughs> perhaps, particularly at the moment, but going into this kind of professional services role where you might be able to develop really, really relevant skills and experience and expertise that will put you in a really, really strong place in the academic job market. And I know that the kinds of things that Heather and Philippa are talking about, their teaching and digital skills, their fellowship with the Higher Education Academy, all the professional development they've been undertaking is going to put them in a really fantastic place when the kind of academic roles they want come up. And that's it for this episode. Join us next time when we'll be talking to another researcher about their career beyond their research degree.